You're listening to the No Hacks Marketing Podcast. Each week, we take a deep dive into online marketing topics covering search, content, CRO, social, and performance optimization to help you level up your marketing. No hacks, no shortcuts, only long-term success. Here are your hosts, Slobodan Manich and Katherine Kambau. Welcome to a brand new episode of No Hacks Marketing Podcast. We talk about optimization all the time on this podcast, but today we have a guest who will tell you what you need to hear about while optimizing your optimization efforts. Joining us today to tell you how she feels about random testing and what you should be doing instead is Andrea Baragan, conversion optimization specialist and founder of OnTrack Digital CRO Agency. Andrea, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. It's, it's been a while that I was waiting for this, so I'm really excited to to have we're, this conversation. We're now. very happy to have you on the podcast. <laughs> so before we start talking about random testing, and the, the title of the episode is Do uh-huh. This Instead of Random Testing. So before we get into that, how has being an optimizer ruined your website browsing experience? <laughs> Quite a bit, but at the same, I realize I fall in the same traps I lay out <laughs> in, in a way, but not necessarily traps, but it has ruined it in the way that I see every single thing. And then I've actually had the impulse of writing to some businesses every now and then without pitching anything, but just saying, this is a terrible experience. You need to do something. I like you as a brand. I want to keep purchasing from you guys, but I just, it's too much of an effort. So that that's one thing. But yeah, I, I think you can separate it quite well. Just like you would be, I don't know, being a doctor, you wouldn't look at everyone that's walking what, a bit. Wouldn't uh, you? Or would you? I don't know. <laughs> I, I can't stand blood. So I wouldn't know. But yeah, I I still love browsing, shopping online doing everything online so i just order everything that i can so i i still love it but for sure i'm a lot more aware of things that things that they're doing in a way just to get me to purchase more or right. do that but also things that are not working i think that's my main issue with bugs i couldn't agree everywhere. more casual browsing becomes Bonds. a working working experience because <laughs> exactly. you're, you're, you're still working the, the brain is still exactly so you can never disconnect that's why I, I took up painting by numbers actually that's what i do if if i have some spare time and i just need to relax it, it's nothing to do with screens of any sort because i need to just paint or do something else to to unwind so. that's smart that's smart stay away from screens when you're not working exactly so, let me ask you about you how did you get into conversion rate optimization how long have you been working in the field like what's your backstory yeah, so it's a it's a funny story anyway. So I've been doing digital marketing for 10 years now. Again, it's quite quite a while when you put, when you put it like that. My beginning, so when I started I started working ever since I my first year of college, I had the most odd jobs ever. I worked in construction, I worked in a jewelry store, I worked on in project management. I, I did and also process engineering, which is really exciting. It's like that show how it's made. I don't know if but yep. Where you just see how stuff is made that's exciting but then at some point i just i i was actually without a job i was completely unemployed and completely desperate because it was three months with no jobs i saw this job post on someone that was looking for a media buyer it was in a different city than i was living in but i don't know something about the the way the ad was written the the job ad was written got to me i wrote this really nice cover letter saying oh, i love psychology and i love understanding what why people do what they do and i don't know what i have zero experience in online marketing so anyway they called me the like 
think two days after they called me saying, if you're still interested, come on over, let's have a, an interview. And then three days after that, I started working. It was my first day there as oh, a media wow. buyer. And it was just insane the amount of stuff I learned in the first three, four months there. The uh, company that I was working for, they were massive in direct response marketing. So I started learning all the the classics in copywriting and everything that it, it's actually still applies now. But anyway, I started in media buying. And then after two years of doing media buying, and I was already managing nice budgets, like massive budgets. I kind of understood that there's only so much I can do. And my pay, my paycheck was dependent on how well the campaigns performed. So then I said, there's only so much I can do in terms of the traffic. What if we can do something in terms of what's happening when they get to our website? And we had this silly video sales letter page with the big video that you can't pause, you can't skip, you can't do anything. And then with a long upsell and downsell funnel. So that's how I started learning. And I started CRO just saying, what if we change the headline? Right. What if we change the video intro for the first 20 seconds? Very random testing. If you ask me now, so what I was doing was completely just saying, ah, well, actually, I think users are doing this or that. But then I started also learning about CRO. I started doing formal training. I did the marketing Sherpa in the beginning, which are were amazing to begin with. Then did the coaching with Pavlaya, which was a lot more intensive back then. And then I was just completely hooked, I would say. So that's what I've been doing for the past eight years. Isn't it funny that non-stop. what you described in your cover letter it is exactly what a CRO person does, right? Yeah. I want to learn about psychology. So you, you had that bug that you wanted exactly. to, to understand how it works and, and how, I mean, how it's made, right? But for yeah. websites. But so, for websites, exactly. I mean, that, that's what CRO is, really. So tell me about your uh, on-track digital, the the agency. What's the backstory mm-hmm. on that? Well, it's just, it naturally evolved. So on-track digital has been alive and kicking for the past six years. Now we're turning six in, in December. It started as a natural progression from me doing work as a CRO freelancer, then getting a bit more clients than I could manage on my own. But the first issue actually was in the test implementation because I even learned how to do some changes in JavaScript, how to do some stuff in CSS. So I would be able to set up some of the tests I was doing. But of course, that was limiting me heavily in terms of the complexity of the tests I could run. So then I said, okay, I need a developer. And back then, it was really hard to find A-B test developers. Now there are agencies, companies that do this. Back then, I actually found a WordPress developer that started learning Shopify when we started working together, then started learning just how to set up tests and JavaScript. And it was completely different than he was doing back then. But then we learned together and then I got the first two people, like the first two interns, paid interns. I've never mm-hmm. had free <laughs> interns, although uh, you know, it's a good way to, to grow. So yeah, and then it, it just grew. At one point, we were eight people here in Bucharest in the office. But that was all before the pandemic, because when the pandemic started, nobody was going to the office anymore, of course. So now we kind of, we're we're not returning to the office anyway, not, not for now, that's for sure. But yeah, it's been evolving nonstop, I would say, the agency. So it's changing its profile. If in the beginning we were doing B2B optimization, we were actually doing a lot more B2B and SaaS Mm -hmm. work. 
in the past four years, I would say we've been doing exclusively e-commerce and then it transitioned exclusively into Shopify. So it, I think we went with the market in a way. Right. So as e-commerce grew, then we turned into it. And then as Shopify became so important, because in the beginning, we would work a lot more with WooCommerce and Magento and What's the main difference in, in your eyes with working specifically CRO projects? WooCommerce, mm -hmm. Magento, all those open source platforms where you have to control the hosting environment versus Shopify. With Shopify, maybe it's a lot more. Maybe types of clients. Agile. Yeah, maybe types of clients. Also types of clients, but also it's more agile. Mm -hmm. we, because I have the resources, so we have to Shopify developers on the team, to full-time developers that only do Shopify work actually, which is outside of the A-B testing work that we do. But just to give you an example, so if I need something on Magento then it's going to the testing environment, then it's going to the live environment, then it's going through 40 strands. So we have a super thorough QA process, but it takes two hours. Right. If I get the, the task requirement, then I can have it live in two hours. With these platforms and especially custom platforms, it could take two, three, four weeks to get something onto the website, which messes up the testing roadmap entirely right. because you're dependent. And especially with test implementations, when we have winners, we also do the implementation most of the times. Right. In the case with custom agency, they, they would just take forever. So then the clients would be upset that CRO is not moving faster, but actually so... It, it's it's easier for us and we can deliver better results so oh, absolutely <laughs> i think it. i think it's better i mean it's especially yeah. with the frustration and and that's really a common thing for any oh agency any optimization agency whether that's cro or seo technical seo mm -hmm. the the way to get it implemented it, it's just yeah it, it's killed more projects than anything else i believe in the field I think so too. Yeah. So yeah, to, to recap, on track digital, it's it is a conversion rate optimization agency that focuses mm -hmm. mostly on Shopify websites, and and it's very cool that you control the entire process, the implementation. Yeah. I mean, that that's the way it probably should be, unless you're talking about a huge brand where there's there's more hands on deck, uh, mm -hmm. of course. Now let's get to the main topic. So, mm -hmm. what you said, what ticks you off the most right now, as we were preparing for the episode, is random testing without a testing plan, without following the client's business objectives. Yeah. So, let's just start by saying, explaining what random testing is. Yeah. So, random testing is what I see nonstop, <laughs> even with my team. So, that's what I was saying that it's my number one issue right now that I'm trying to solve. When you start doing some tests just because the client asked for them and then you saw something in the competitor that they were doing and then you saw a nice webinar and saw another idea and then you have three completely random tests that okay they might work i mean it, it does happen that it works and i think this is also what fuels random testing because it can happen that for one client everything you test is tip top and you get results but then when you have a more optimized website and a bigger business, that's when random testing doesn't work anymore. And that's when it doesn't pay off. The way I see CRO and the way I want it to be done, whenever we start a CRO project, we start with the client filling out a kickoff questionnaire, like a really nice 30 question thing that they hate filling out, but it's so, so valuable. And then we understand their business objectives both short-term and long-term. Anyway, we aim to have ongoing long-term relationships with the clients, of course. But I understand also the need to get some stuff 
done in the next three, six months, you have targets, you have, I don't know, everyone. I mean, every business has some objectives, but then our goal as a CRO agency and anyone's goal that's doing CRO, freelancer, in-house agency, it doesn't matter. It should be to help that company reach those objectives through experimentation and through research. Just combining what those people want, then what you find out in your research, and then what are the solutions that you can come up with based indeed on experience, competitor research, heuristic research, case studies, anything you can find. I mean, I'm not against getting inspiration. I love that. And if you've seen my posts, there are a lot about learning through examples because I, I really, I'm a strong believer in that, but adapting it to proper research and to the actual context that you're working on. Right. And, and there's a big difference between, I would say, random, running random analysis. I mean, yeah. you can get an idea watching of a course. webinar and say, I want to do that. I want to learn that. And, and just random testing mm -hmm. saying they have this or that we want to test this or that like that. that I get it. I get it. Why? But as a follow-up, exactly. who would ever do random testing and, and why? Like in practice, when does this happen? I think it happens more often than anyone wants to admit. And I can give you an example also with uh, with our clients. And so I'll give you an example. We have a client. We've been working together for three years. We love them to bits. They love us. We do everything together. And whatever is going on on that website, we're in charge of. But then, so... They scaled the business massively in three years from, let's say, $1,000 a month to over nearly seven figures a month. They're, they're massive. But the way they've done this, and I understand it as a business owner, is by testing all sorts of things and not A-B testing, but just saying, ah, let's try this product. It doesn't work. Scrap it. Let's try something else, which is a philosophy they still have in a way. And again, you have to understand this as a... As a CRO specialist, you can't be all science and this is our religion right. and we don't do I don't know what because the purpose is to help that business grow. So we have this really nice audit that we redo every six months, the full audit. Then every month we redo bits of the, the research, let's say. But we have a nice audit. We have 30 testing ideas, 60, doesn't matter. We put together a testing roadmap, what's being tested every single day of the month. Everything is great. We have the plan. And then the client says, oh, I saw this really nice thing that I don't know who is testing. I, can, can we please get that? Can we, I know it's not in the right. roadmap, but can we get it? And then I say, sure, man, you're our friend. Let's fit it in. Let's see how it fits in. And then they hire an email marketing agency. And the email marketing agency says, oh, all the stuff that's here, it needs to completely go and then you end up not necessarily doing random tests but it's random requirements that sort of because they want to do experimentation so they want to test stuff we're past the moment where they just do random changes let's right. say with these clients but then everything needs to be tested and it needs to be tested now and then and as much as you try to to prevent it i still think i think it still creeps into the the program and then the second case is in which someone, let's say maybe a more junior CRO, would take on a client and they have the audit, which is nice in the beginning. They have the testing roadmap. And then when they need to come up with the next batch of tests, let's say, so the next roadmap for the next three months, it's completely 
it doesn't connect in any way in what they learned in the audit and what they've learned in all the tests that we concluded. And for me, that's random testing. It's just not learning from everything right. that you're doing and finding out. It For me, it's developing the customer, the buyer theory nonstop. That's your goal as a CRO. And then when you just start doing random stuff, adding an upsell, but you don't know what products they buy, removing a section, but you don't know how many are interacting with it. Right, right. It's what's killing me all the time. And I still see it. And I actually still receive ideas like this from anyone. So let's say I want to get someone on the team. I request just some ideas just to see like a test. And then completely random, but they can ask me anything. They can say, how many clicks are they getting? How many, you can create segments. Yeah. So that for me, not understanding why you're doing what you're doing. That's random so testing. Could you say that random testing really is testing where learning something out of the test is not the goal? Yes. Where learning something out of the test is not the goal and where you can't explain why you're doing the test right. and what problem you're trying to solve. So I think an ideal silly example would be button color. Like let's just test yeah. blue instead of green. And exactly. Sure. Or let, let's move the product section higher up or let's remove testimonials or ads. I don't know what, right. which is fine. You can do all of, even button colors. I'm not saying that's a, a strong test, but of course, maybe you do a rebranding. You Right want to increase the contrast and then you're not sure if it, I don't know if it matters or not. I, I'm not against testing it, but you have a purpose behind why you're testing it. You can say people are complaining. They can't see that freaking button. And then you say, oh, maybe we need to increase the, I don't know, change the color. And then you and the partner can decide if it's anyway, right. it doesn't right. matter. But, but, but then you're but trying you to learn it on something. You're trying to learn. You're trying to solve a problem that you found out through some kind of research. And then you have an idea of what that test is doing. And then once that test is completed, you also have some relevant and solid next steps or learnings. For me, that's the, the formula to a winning test. Because again, you'll see I'm not that super science and religion <laughs> with the CRO. I'm more about making money for the clients and helping them scale sustainably. But that's what it needs to do. Solve a problem, understand why you're doing it and how that thing is actually solving the problem. And then once it's complete, knowing what the impact is, what you can learn of it, and then what you do next. So yeah. I think that, that that makes perfect <laughs> sense. So you mentioned earlier that in a mature business, like your client did that grew from a thousand a month to yeah. almost seven figures. As they matured, there's no room for random testing. There's less and less room for random testing because it makes no sense because you know what you're doing. So does that mean okay. that random testing is kind of okay in an early stage, like when, when you're just trying to use it as a learning mm -hmm. tool? I don't know if, I mean, if that's a good enough excuse to do random testing. From, and we've taken on small businesses in the beginning, especially because if they have a website that's not converting, they're in, in a situation where it's impossible for them to scale, to grow that business in any way especially now with paid traffic, it's more and more expensive. It's more and more difficult to make it convert. But I think there is optimization that can be done for low volume websites. And it doesn't always have to be A-B testing. You can optimize. So 
what I recommend when we start out. And we have the situation now with the with the client. They're a very big business outside of Shopify, actually, through retailers, through wholesalers. They they have a big business and they're a big brand. But actually, in terms of Shopify and their DTC store, let's say their DTC uh, brand, they don't have good volumes of traffic for us to do any kind of A-B testing. So then I recommended pushing other things like personalization for the users, doing referrals and rewards and any kind of loyalty schemes that you can do just to generate some buzz there. So adding stuff that can improve installment payments, especially for higher ticket items. There's a lot that you can do and you can find this out through user testing, through discussing with existing customers, discussing with website users. You can see what the obstacles are and then find the best validated solutions to actually fix those and then slowly scale because optimization in the end it can be the research that you do and the solutions that you come up for those problems that you come up with for those problems you identify i don't think it's only a b testing and that's the mistake i think businesses are doing because even let's say you you want to do random testing when do you validate it i mean does it run for Two months? Is it right. after they have 20 sales here and 30 there? Of course, the version with 30 would kill it. But and I think of that's, course, yeah. th- that's a problem. Uh, like you said, a lot of businesses, especially early stage businesses, identify CRO with A-B testing. Like that's yeah. it. That's what that's what it is. That's what you're supposed to be doing if they hire you. And it, mm-hmm. it takes educating them and showing them that thing about why they're not buying is more important than increasing coverage rate by 2%, like long term and, and, and short term even. So you, you mentioned a few things that you can do instead of random testing mm-hmm. and getting started. How about personalization? Like, do, do you test that as well? Or do you just try something? Yeah, it depends on what we have there. Usually with, with personalization, we A-B test stuff. So we actually run the personalization, especially in Shopify Plus. There's a lot you can do because you can implement things on a duplicate theme and then you can split that. You can remove that preview bar even from the checkout. Because that's the big problem now that you can't remove the preview bar from the checkout, which prevents you to run split URL tests between the live theme and the the duplicate theme. That's how we can actually test the impact impact of apps, personalizations, anything we do, we can do funnel-wide and then we can actually see the impact of that change that we're doing. Of course, not the case for all the clients or all businesses that they have Shopify Plus, which is restrictive (laughs) from the price point. But... With personalization, again, one way you can test, you can measure it, it's very, even through Google Optimize. You can send all the information to Google Analytics and then create segments of those that are seeing the personalization and see how they compare with those that are not included in the personalization. But you can also, again, if you're super low volume, I recommend using a nice annotation system. You have it in Analytics, just make a note when you whenever you're doing something in the ideal situation that you're not completely changing traffic and anything else. Again, very not scientific or rigorous way of testing, but it's a lot better than not knowing anything you've done, which is the case with many businesses and many clients. They say, so this is a scenario I've encountered with a few clients recently and big clients, actually. It, It applies also to the low volume ones, but also big ones. First of all, it was the, ah, our conversion rate dropped with iOS 14. It's dead. Nothing happens anymore. Okay. Let's say that's behind us. 
Now it's we've updated to online store 2.0, which is the new Shopify framework. And or we changed our theme because that's actually not that they updated to 2.0, but that they changed the theme. So we had an old theme. We had an agency update us to a new paid theme. And that means new design as well, right? Yeah, new design. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, yeah, yeah. Usually new design as well. So new design, the back end is a bit more important, but usually for the user, it's just new design. And then I say, ah, okay, when did you change the theme? (laughs) Mid-February or so. How can you not make a note, at least if you're changing the entire website? at least make a, a note. And I mean, there's annotations in Google Analytics, but okay, you require maybe a bit more discipline for that, but just have a right. post-it next to the computer and just make some notes. So that's why I think any kind of measurement of the changes that you do to the website are a lot better than no measurement and no tracking. Then focusing on stuff that actually delivers an improved experience to the user is a lot better than random template testing, because that's what businesses are doing. They're just testing layouts of the pages. I'm moving the photos here or there. I'm putting the reviews at the bottom or at the top. It's not, I don't think it changes the behavior of the users on the website in any way. It's just testing layouts. So but, but if it, you it can, could work, yeah. it could work because it, it could eliminate blocks to an element people could be seeing an element more frequently. But but again, you're just removing roadblocks. You're not testing to learn something significant. I, I completely agree with that. That's, that's also fine if you're removing roadblocks, but that also implies the fact that you identified those road, roadblocks, right. you know, which is fine. Again, you can test button colors, you can move stuff around, you can do all of that because you've seen in heat maps or session recordings or user testing or your own analysis that, okay, that is actually on obstacle or that element is being overlooked by users and it's important to conversion. I'm all for that. But just testing, let's say your, I don't know, Sephora and you saw another cosmetics company doing something else, then you're just testing out different layouts. That's why something that improves the experience for the user, which is can be, again, loyalty programs, uh, I don't know, installment payment, anything that you can do it's a lot better than just randomly trying to maybe test something when you don't even have enough traffic to do any testing. Absolutely. That's what I would suggest. <laughs> I, I definitely agree with that. So uh, mm-hmm. as I was preparing for the episode, I saw your article that you published. It's a week ago now at convert.com, yeah. October 11th. I'll put the link in the description about testing ideas. And mm-hmm. I think it's 15 ideas in that article, but also yeah. you have on, on your website, on track.agency, there's resources and there's a, there's a, a spreadsheet with, I think, mm-hmm. 60 e-commerce yeah. A-B testing ideas. We need to update those. They're so old. <laughs> yeah. d- d- but they're still good. I checked, they're I checked that good. out. They're yeah. still good. So how can a list like that, so that's basically uh, uh, best practices or yeah. whatever. How can you use that in your non-random testing efforts? How can yeah. you put that into structure? Well, what I recommend doing with all these ideas, and I also recommend having a swipe file. I'm a big fan ever since I started in direct response marketing, so like 10 years ago, just having a document where you save stuff that you like, headlines, banners, product page layouts, all of that. They're great for inspiration. And then you reach a point where you say, this navigation is difficult for users to walk through. We're currently testing a new navigation for one of our clients. Because they have these super specific 
product names that nobody understands what they are. And then the entire navigation is around those products. So we change it up just to make sure it, it makes sense. So we see that, but then I don't know what's a good navigation or what, what are others doing? And then I have a repository that I can go to and say, okay, these guys are using or press bars or any kind of elements. They're useful to get the inspiration for when you get that problem. You identify something you need to test and then you can you can use the inspiration. I, I wouldn't recommend just starting testing all of those 15 or 60 ideas uh, randomly, but then you see the product page as a drop-off point. Then you identify the add to cart area that's not very intuitive. And then you have a list of maybe 10 ideas that you can go to and see, right. see what others are doing. Right. And basically, like with anything else we talked about today, you can use them to try to learn, mm-hmm. run a test and, exactly. and, and use it as an idea that gives you an opportunity to learn. And I'll just, I think I have it in, in a tab here. So let me just quickly try to open mm-hmm. that. So for example, product page, and, and you can get this on OnTrack agency website. So one thing is mention all payment methods available. And then it says ease of implementation is six. Potential impact is, I believe, high on this one. Uh, mm-hmm. It's listed as high yeah. in this document. So if you have a problem with the product uh, in the product page and you think it's because people don't know how they could pay like this, this is literally mm-hmm. the thing you should be testing. So maybe it's exactly. a, it's an idea generator or, or just to give you a starting point, but also don't use it randomly. Like it's a list of 60 AB tests. Don't, don't, don't do it randomly. Because Imagine just starting all those six. And... Yeah. And on a, on a low traffic website and, and having like a two-year program to run through all those tests. Exactly. And then you have it gets 10 you transactions here. And it 12. gets you nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> to recap, to recap yeah. all of this, like the, the whole idea with the random testing and, and why it's bad. It's because mm-hmm. you just, I mean, it, it's, like we're doing anything randomly. If if you're let's yeah. say doing some sports or training for for a competition, you're not going to try different training methods without having an idea why you're trying them and what you're trying exactly. to achieve. Same thing with testing. Every test should be run to learn something, also to improve the website, sure, but also to learn something and and continue improving. So, all that said, you have a client who wants to run some. Final question: You have a client who wants to run yeah. some random tests. They come to you on the first meeting. How do you put them in their place? How do you stop them? Well, not in the first meeting. I, I, I'm super okay. Uh, okay. polite in the first meeting. I'm just like, <laughs> everything, everything you want will do it. No, but no, they don't really. Go. So what happens usually with the clients that have their own? So they approach us for CRO. We say, okay, we're going to do this nice audit. Just identify everything. And then again, more often than you would expect. They say, ah, we actually have a redesign plan. How do we go about that? Or we also have a completely new product page template that we want to write. So then I'm just, okay, let's do that. If you're hung up on it, let's just do it anyway. Let's test it out. Let's measure it. Let's get it out of the way. Make them happy. Make them happy. Make them happy. Keep them happy. Yep. Exactly. And actually just, again, maybe it's, it helps them reach their objectives with redesigns. Sometimes they have, I don't know, investors or or they have an outdated design that they really need to get refreshed. That's fine. Again, I really recommend testing gradual redesigns as much as possible. So especially when you have, so we have a case with a client, they have 60% of customers they're returning. Hmm. They're issuing new collections every week, new prints, new models for their products. 
So then if you completely change the website and if you have a million sessions a month and 60% of those, they come weekly or monthly to your website to buy something, you're for the first month at least, you're messing that up entirely. And then what happens? They say, oh, the redesign didn't work. We need to go back to everything. Or it's always what I try to educate clients into and just guide them into is to get away from this panic, fire, putting out thing because right. you need to have some patience. Again, with remember all the Gmail or Facebook interface interface changes. That's my Whenever favorite. Would, that is my favorite example by far. By when far. they would change, oh, I hate it. I don't know where anything is. I don't know how to send a new yeah. email. I don't know. Two days later, do you remember the old? They version? don't remember the old. That that's something I've said on this podcast you know? at least ten times. Like that that exact <laughs> example. So yes, so, it's just give it some time. Especially, I mean, if you're hung up on something, doing a redesign, okay, right. Just own it and do the redesign. Measure it accordingly and see interactions throughout each step of the funnel. So not just the final sales because. Maybe you're losing them on the final step and you have no idea. And again, it can happen. They have an awesome experience, but then on the checkout, you're asking for their first unborn child. Might be yep. a problem. Yep. They might abandon. It doesn't mean the entire funnel is uh, is messed up. So that's what I recommend. Having some, some patience, testing it gradually, and then allowing it enough time to, to change the user behavior. Because some things, I don't know if you... If you saw that example of ASOS, what they're doing with the cart reserved. So mm -hmm. they're reserving it for an hour. Oh, yes. Yes. The products. And then they're either moving it to the saved items if you have an account. Or if you don't have an account, I think you're lost. You, your products are gone forever. So that actually... So I experienced it firsthand. I had products in the cart. They got deleted. I said, screw you, ASOS. I'm never coming back. Then I said, oh, okay. I'm coming back, but then I said, oh, I need to create an account actually so I don't lose right. the items because I can never decide in an hour what shoes I'm buying. So then my behavior changed, but it took a month actually right. for me to come back, do the account, create the thing, and then I actually purchased. And after that, I've been purchasing like crazy for a while. Now I'm completely off fast fashion, so I'm, I'm off. <laughs> Good for I'm you. Done, Good for you. I'm yeah. done hurting the environment with uh, T-shirts and anything like that. But that aside, it changed the behavior. And then I was actually a more engaged customer than I used to be. But if someone right. had analyzed the impact of that feature in the first three days, they would completely scrap it. But the, that feature, it's perfect because it has so many levels. Like number one, yeah. you're getting people, you're forcing them to buy immediately. Mm -hmm. Number two, you might piss them off because you erased their cart. But the, And then the last one, you're getting them to sign up for an account more often, yeah. which means repeat customers and, and lifetime value which of means, customers go yeah. up. So it's, you're not just doing something for today or for next mm -hmm. week. You're doing something for really the lifetime of that customer or uh, until they lose someone like you because they decide what? not to do fast fashion anymore. Of course. Anymore. <laughs> of that's course. Different, you that's... cannot test that. <laughs> like that, that's just a different story. Exactly. That's a different story. But in terms of the impact, yeah, especially if you're trying to change behavior, you can't expect it to be changed in two days. Oh, when any kind of purchase, I mean, I have grocery lists that can take two weeks for me to hit that purchase button. Right. And then you need to look at the time to conversion for sure. That's a very important metric that you need to take into consideration beyond all the full cycles of testing, including 
all of the days of the week and all of the cycles right. of the moon, you need to look at the, the time to conversion to actually do something relevant, I think. And you need to be able to understand that because yeah. you can't influence what you don't understand. And, and, and on that note, I want to end this episode. I want to thank <laughs> you for, because this was really insightful. This was fun to talk about randomness and random testing and hearing CRO <laughs> people get upset about something is really what, what makes this podcast or what makes it good, I, I dare to say. So Andre, I, I want to thank you. <laughs> hey, that, that's a good thing. I want to thank you for being on the podcast. My and, pleasure. And for everyone listening, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to No Hacks Marketing. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd appreciate it if you can leave a rating on any of your favorite podcast platforms. Visit nohacksmarketing.com to subscribe. Thank you.